Well, hello, Toowoomba, and it's great to report. For the first time in a long while, we escaped the bunker to meet and plan our next season with our great mate Tamara from Two Cents Worth. We have a positive vibe show this week. With restrictions slowly being rolled back, we are looking to the future. We grabbed a quick chat with Anita from Fitzy's, and unless you've been living under a rock, you would know they have started something amazing just last weekend. Are you one of the many who have a new dog whilst in ISO? Need some help and guidance? We talked to Sue Bloom from Dognology about her training programs that are now up and going again. And for something very different, we talk writing and poetry in our Creative Corner segment. Now let's get talking to Woomba with some news of the week. With further easing of restrictions, there is exciting news for some of our smaller cafes and restaurants around town. So support them where you can. Recreational travel is now allowed with a maximum of 150 kilometres within your region for day trips only. Exciting news for all of us with our iconic parks being open, along with playgrounds, skate parks, outdoor gyms and barbecue areas, in line with the Queensland Government's roadmap. So please stay safe and follow hygiene guidelines, social distancing and limits to gathering numbers. We'll have a link to the Queensland Roadmap in our show notes. The Council's Change Project goes online from today the 18th of May. The online Healthy Habits Keeping Connected program provides a low-cost four-week program that begins with a challenge on Monday the 1st of June 2020. To get involved in the challenge, registrations open from the 18th to the 29th of May through the Change Project website at www.tr.qld.gov.au forward slash change. We will have the links in our show notes and website. The Toowoomba Council has reopened Crestbrook Dam to the public for recreational purposes after testing showed water met recognised safety standards. This week is National Volunteer Week, so a huge shout-out to all the volunteers around our great region. You are amazing and we do appreciate everything you do for this community, so thank you. Now let's hear how Fitzies are changing the takeaway landscape whilst they are unable to open fully. Now, I've just quickly got on the line Anita from Fitzy's, and she's going to tell us something really exciting. Even though doors are shut, you can have Fitzy's at home. Anita, fill us in. Hi, Shane. How are you going? Yes, we we are very excited about our new food concept, Fitzy's at Home. It's a bit of a takeaway concept, but not if you know it. So fill me in. Come on, I'm curious. Okay, so Fitzy's at Home is a pre-ordered meal kit service that allows you to have your Fitzy's favourites at home. So we give you everything you need. We give you protein, sides, condiments, everything you need, including easy-to-read instructions for you to create Fitzy's at your place. Oh, I like the idea of that. So think iconic dishes that we do. So Morton Coast Steaks locally, it's Darling Downs products. You can't buy them in a butcher. So we have a beautiful 300-gram sirloin and a 
Grandchester, I fill it. We give you those proteins. We give you the sides. We give you everything. And, you know, Fitzy's your uncle. Um, we we put it together for you. <laughs> and, I love it. Um, and, you, <laughs> and you cook it at home. So what people need to do is jump onto our website, which is fitzies.com. You'll go through to an app where you can order online, place your pre-order, and then come pick it up on the weekends. All right. So it's go to the website, follow the links, go to the mm-hmm. to the app, place your order by 3 p.m. on the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You can then pop down on Fridays and Saturdays between 3 and 6 p.m. Correct. But which entrances have we got to go to? Now, the front doors are closed, unfortunately. You can't pop in for a beer on your way through. You just need to come around the back to Church Street. So if you're in a car that's just off Hume Street, just behind our front entrance, basically. We do have in the making, you can also pre-order uh, a limited amount of wines and beers as well. So that's, that's watch this space at the moment. But basically, we'll pr- be able to provide everything you need to create a night at 50s at your place. Oh, Love it. Well, we're pretty excited about it because we, you know, we've had our doors closed for all seven or eight weeks now. And it's been great to have chefs and, and staff here as part of our, you know, it's our home. We love having the team back together and, and JobKeeper has allowed us to do that. So we've all come together. We've put this initiative together and we just really hope that Toowoomba comes together and supports us. They've been so great supporting local and we hope that continues. Thanks for popping in for a quick chat. Anita, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Sounds amazing. Are you a writer, poet, author, blogger, or anyone harbouring thoughts of writing? Did you know we have a writer's collective here in Toowoomba? So let's talk to Craig about what they do and how you can get involved. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Shane. Welcome to the Talking Toowoomba podcast. Thanks for inviting me in. Now, you're part of the Toowoomba's Writers group, I believe. Yes, a Toowoomba writers community slash group that uh, has been in town for well, about 11 years from my understanding. I've been with it probably seven years and, um, yeah, a local group in town that try to encourage writers to get together. We try to meet monthly, but at the moment we aren't doing that, of course. We have had some online electronic meetings. But, yeah, the, the groups are quite a varied group. We have authored Writers, uh, we have quite a lot of books that are actually out there. I myself look at poetry. I don't consider myself a um, writer as such like they do. But, um, yeah, it's um, a large group and we're trying to encourage writing in the Toowoomba area. So, okay, so you normally have regular get-togethers and meetings or whatever you want to call them. What what sort of things happen at these these get-togethers? So what we try to do, we try to encourage each writer. We talk about upcoming projects, where we are in our writing endeavours. People talk about if they've got book launches coming up, but we don't just target the writing. For example, this year we've already had a lawyer come along and talk to us about contracts for uh, for publishing your books, how to deal with publishers, how to deal with editors. We actually have some writers in the group that do have editing jobs as well. They have their own business where they can help people edit. So we've had talks about how to edit a book, how to um, get your facts and things like that done through through those areas. We also had a talk during this year about copyright and how, as a writer, people with misconceptions about 
what we have to do to prove we have copyright and things like that. So by having these other people come in and talk to us about the business side, so to speak, of being a writer, it's given us all an understanding of how we can progress. Do we just want to write a book for ourselves? Do we want to put it out into the broader community? For example, two books I've done, I did myself through the electronic media, self-publishing that way. Only in a small way, it was a bit of a learning curve. Some of our writers have had very large books put out that needed full publishing and all those type of things. So these educational meetings we have have been viewed very well by the group. Now, do you have a is it a very broad base of, of the different type of writers in the group or is it focused on a particular genre? Ah, very broad. We have uh, semi-autobiographical writers. We have writers that uh, look at historical actual occurrences. Uh, one recently has put out a book about the emigrant, a, um, the emigrant, sorry, book about a ship that came to Australia and they unfortunately came across typhus. Uh, so that was very factual, but that was also turned into a novel as well with an expansion on that. We have writers that look at children's books, picture books, people that write fantasy, and we have some people that write science fiction. So throughout the group, whole range of different types of writers. So And those ideas can bounce off each other at meetings when people talk about how these things happen and how did they come to that genre, whereas um, myself, being a poet, and a lot of the other people in the group write poetry, but they don't push their poetry. Not too sure whether I have the ability to go in-depth with writing a novel, you know, character development, storylines, plot lines, timelines. To me, I can't do that, so I stick with poetry being a shorter. Now, you mentioned the book Immigrant. That was written by... Uh, a local author, as you said. Is that Jane Smith? Yes, Jane Smith, and she's a member of the group. Jane has a few books, um, quite a lot, actually. She's uh, still busy at the moment, and she is one of our writers that provides editing. So, yes, very uh, accomplished lady. Yeah, we had Jane on an episode, episode five, I think it was, which was about the 16th of March, and we did talk about her book, The Immigrant. It was very, very interesting. Mm. So... She's obviously a, a big part of the group. Now, this group is basically open to almost anyone who wants to get involved in, in writing, whether it be poetry or books of, or of some genre? Yes, the group's anybody. Uh, we are called the Toowoomba's Writers Group. However, we don't close it off to anybody, and we're quite happy to accept new people. Uh, it'd be nice to see some younger people jump on board. I'm not saying we're all a bunch of old fuddy-duddies like myself, but we're. Um, yeah, we'd be encouraging some younger people to come in as well. So, okay, you, you, you're saying that you specialise in poetry. Now, I believe there's all sorts of different types of poetry, isn't there? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a specialist in poetry. I write it because I'm lazy, probably. But, yeah, my genre is poetry. And like a lot of people, I started off writing poetry with rhyming quatrains. So they're four-line stanzas, and as the term rhyming means, these are the poems you would have seen that finish in rhyming words. So, for example, you could have a style which the first and the second line rhyme and the third and fourth line rhyme. You could have a style where the first and third line rhyme and then the second and fourth line rhyme. And then you can have 
first and fourth line rhyme and second and third line rhyme. The idea with rhyming poetry, people can find a flow with rhyming poetry. Rhyming poetry tends to come, I would say, a little bit easier to people. They're not less daunting to people, but they just seem to come easier. Can you give us some examples of of poetry that that you've written and and sort of explain, first of all, what type of genre it is and then give us an example and then sort of critique it a bit for us and talk to us about, you know, how how it it comes about, that sort of thing? Okay. I'll start off with rhyming quatrains from two of my longer poems, but I'll just give out one paragraph from each. And these two rhyming quatrains, you'll notice the difference. The first one will be rhyming scheme of line one and two and then three and four and the second one will be a rhyming scheme of one and three and then two and four so the first one a salty tang sits in the air as i raise myself from a ratty cane chair the pull of soft sand on onshod feet slips through my toes as soon as they meet the second one a cool wind blows from off the sea to breathe salt air at day's first light I walk alone to just be me. The fresh morning breeze brings true delight. So from the two, you would have saw the difference. We had air and chair, feet and meat, and then sea and me and light and delight. But the thing with rhyming quatrains, which I really liked early on, of course, I find with the rhyming quatrain, you can make them flow so much easier. They tend to roll off the tongue a bit easier than prose poetry, which not my forte. Now, the... Gonna have to excuse the the illiterate here. <laughs> the Japanese style. Yeah, yep. Have you got something you can give us on that one? Okay, so I've got two here. One's a haiku. Haiku are about nature, nature, and yep. are respectful and um, showing praise for nature. And senryu being about human nature. Japanese were quite happy back in those days of sixteen hundreds, I suppose, to take liberties with us. So. So we'll start off with the haiku, and I love autumn, autumn time with the changing leaves and everything. Draped in scarlet, standing tall and aflame before the coal. So that one was about a large tree up in the Japanese gardens. Now, the senryu, I noticed this one for myself because grey hairs are getting everywhere. And this <laughs> one, again, in a different, in different tone. Grey hairs? When did that happen? They grew on me. So, yeah, so you can see the way they're read or when you read them, you read them in a different way, one being respectful for nature and the other one poking a bit of fun. Both similar, very short. So, yeah, I hope that gives an idea of some of the Japanese genres. Craig, I want to thank you for coming on with the podcast this morning. That was very interesting. I've got a much better appreciation for poetry, I think, now. Cool. And look, I uh, I hope that some of our listeners who perhaps have been closet writers or poets come out and join the group. And um, yeah, I forgot to mention before, the Toowoomba Writers Community Group, Facebook, you can find us. We have a website, which is Toowoomba Writers Community. Just jump on the social media and um, if you can't find them, you can look up CL Poetry or Craig Lincoln Poetry because I have a website as well and I have a Facebook page. The Facebook page is CL Poetry. The website is Craig Lincoln Poetry, so not a problem. And they can send me messages there and I can get them in contact with the group. Well, again, thanks for your time and look forward to having you on again soon. Take care and bye for now. No worries. Thank you. Bye. Up next, we chat to Sue from Dognology 
about the importance of connecting with your dog. Marianne and her microphone is available for all of your singing and event MC needs in Toowoomba and the local area. Marianne is the only person in the Darling Downs to offer musical messages, which are a unique and modern spin on the singing telegram. It makes such a perfect gift for your loved one. For more information, visit Marianne's Facebook page at Marianne and her microphone. Now, joining me on the Talking Toowoomba podcast is Sue Bloom, who is an animal behaviourist and dog psychologist. How are you going, Sue? Hello, Shane. Very well, thank you. Tell us a little bit about your history. You've done something unique in the past, I think, as far as movies are concerned. Yes, I trained a lot of animals for a lot of films. What's one film that you enjoyed doing or remember? Well, I'd have to say the claim to fame would be the movie Babe, the feature film. Oh, right. So you were involved with that. So, okay. Dogs. You're, you're working mainly with dogs these days? Yeah, I do. Mostly dogs. It's probably one of the most popular animals to have as a pet. So a lot of people have so many problems with their dogs. So I spend a lot of my time focusing on that now, teaching people how to connect and communicate with their dogs. Now, I'm guessing that it's probably more than likely not the dog that's the problem, but the human. Am I assuming too much there? Definitely not. That's very true. It's like, as I say to people, it's people training for dogs. Because I have to get the human tuned in, tapped in and turned on to be able to communicate with their dog. Because dogs are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So what can people expect in, in getting you involved to help train them to get the best and understand their dog? Well, the most important thing first for, let's say, the people is they need to be very well informed before they even choose the breed of dog that they're going to take on. And that can have a lot to do with a lot of things, you know, their lifestyle, time that they have whether they've got kids, it's all the stuff that even goes with kids, you know, school, sport. You know, they've got to have time to fit the dog into that. And it needs to happen on a daily basis, not once a week, every day. The dog, every day, has heaps of pent-up energy. And if you don't get rid of that energy on a daily basis, things like excessive barking, destroying the backyard, destroying the furniture, the barbecue, whatever's in the backyard. So when people are going to be choosing their breed, every dog has their own trait. That doesn't mean good or bad. You just need to be very aware of that. So if you're going to take on something like a working dog, you need to have the time and energy to make sure that you fulfill that dog's needs for his lifetime, which is usually anywhere between 14 and 18 years. So you really need to know what you're doing for the next, you know, 14 to 18 years so that you can make sure that the dog <clears throat> has everything it needs because they automatically fulfill our needs like unconditional love. So are we doing that in return for them? Because, you know, owning a dog is, there's nothing light about it, especially if you're going to get a puppy. Because people forget when they haven't had puppies for a long time. I say to them, 
are you ready? And they say, oh, yeah. I said, well, get ready because this is huge. You know, they're 12 months. They're still a pup. And then they go into two years of adolescence. Now, that's the worst time because they have so much energy and it has to be gotten rid of on a daily basis. Otherwise, it pents the next day and then it pents the next day. and Basically, it's snowballing, isn't it? Exactly. Some people say to me, oh, yeah, the pup's really good. He's like nine weeks old. She's nine weeks old or whatever. And um, they say, oh, she just sleeps a lot. She's really good or, or he's really good. And I say, get ready. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> and they, most of them don't take me seriously when I say that. And one of my favorite things is saying to them now, you need to have this on your mind all day, every day. As each day goes by, this pup's energy is going to double daily. So you need to have a routine for it. You need to be supporting its early developmental stages. No different than children. You have to directionally guide and support them all the way. So if you can step into a leadership position, the dog will be happy to follow you. But if you don't, you'll be following the dog, and this is not good. (laughs) By taking on this role of learning to connect with your dog, you're basically, it's just the same as having a a child, as you said earlier, uh, hence the term fur babies. So, (laughs) Exactly. And we've got to obviously change and evolve with our dog as they get older. Oh, absolutely correct. My my technique is very unique and it's very holistic. So it's got just as much to do with the human as it does to do for the dog. So it's like even if the, the, the dog, say it's a pup, and it's got you know early developmental basic life needs that must be met in their early developmental time. Must do. Same for humans. Because I do a very holistic approach. It's on all levels, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So someone who's, who's decided, okay, I, I need to get Sue to help me connect with my dog. Let, mm-hmm. Let's sort of go through the stages. Let's talk first with, with for a puppy. What what sort of things can people expect and, and how long are they going to be working with you, generally speaking? Obviously, there are always exceptions to the rule, but what's, what's sort of the general way things go? Well, if somebody, say, for example, has a, a young pup and they want to do some training with it, um, first of all, any animal I'm going to be working with, I go to the people's home, so I do a, an in-home evaluation. So I get to, and that goes for two hours, I explain to them what's going to happen with the pup over the coming weeks, and then I explain to them how to connect with the pup different actions, what they need to be doing, you know, and I show them a technique of how to do that because one of the things I don't use is food. Having worked in the film industry for many years, food is a conditional response. I want my dog to be unconditional. I want him to connect with me, not the food, and I certainly don't want to be carrying a pocket full of sausages around for the rest of my life. So in that time, I go through all my technique. I teach people about universal language, how to speak to their dog, you know, all the different ways they use their language, you know, uptones exciting, downtones calming, always direct from a neutral tone. While I'm also there, I do a demonstration with the pup and also having a look around their house to see whether they're inside, outside. So if they're both, you know, I show them how to do this. 
for example, the dog comes into the house, it's not a football field. Yep. They're not going to be in running through the house, jumping over the furniture, you know, grabbing socks, undies, and taking off with them. So they learn that when they come into the house, quiet time outside is playground. Yep. Because of the reality that we create for these animals, unfortunately, we have to teach them how to have a lot of quiet time, downtime. Like, for example, if someone's going off to work for eight, nine, ten hours and the dog's in the backyard all on its own, of course, when they come home, the dog comes in, it'll get overexcited in the house and start running, you know, like just ballistic because they're so excited to see them. So what I'm doing is teaching people some very basic stuff. Once they start doing that and they stick to it, because the hardest thing is I say to people, you know, you have to do the work to get the outcome. There's 10 fundamentals. So I show them exactly how to do all that. And if they keep doing it on a daily basis, it will set, it'll start to set as a pattern of behavior, a good pattern of behavior. So by the time my pups and the people have done all the stuff that they need to do, when that pup meets somebody at six months of age, a person can walk towards them. The dog won't move. The dog will just sit there because it learns one of the fundamentals is being still and just watching. Some people think, you know, minimum I do with people is 10 hours training. So we get them out into all different environments. I also have guided socialisation. I have um, dog packs. I've got one on Sunday morning, one on Sunday afternoon for little dogs, and on Wednesday morning for mixed, small, medium, large. It doesn't matter. So these dogs learn come into a group environment. They learn to play as a pack, hang as a pack, work as a pack. Now, you've got a great website called dognology.com.au. Yes. It sort of goes into a bit more detail about the sort of things we've just been chatting about, what their options are when it comes to working with you with their dogs. You've got a Facebook page as well. Yes. And it's called Dognology as well. Yes. If somebody wanting to engage uh, your services to help them with their dogs, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? best way to get in contact is to ring me so I can talk to them straight away. But if it can go through email through the website. So what's the best number to call you on? 0410-698-004. All right, Sue. Well, look, thanks for coming on to the podcast. I've found that quite interesting. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there who are starting to think that they could uh, connect better with their dogs. So the best bet is to get in contact with you and you can help them on their way with some dognology. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Sue. Bye for now. Okay. Bye, Shane. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to get the latest episode to keep up to date with businesses that are still operating and how you can support them and help keep as many members of this great community employed. Thanks to the Toowoomba Chamber of Commerce and Two Cents Worth Toowoomba for your support. Check them both out on Facebook. We will get through this together. Stay safe. I'm Shane. See you around, Toowoomba.